0: Flushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Hello,
2: everyone, and welcome back to my podcast, Straight White Whale. The last podcast of the year, because it's so close to Christmas, and Paul needs a holiday because he's been grafting like fuck. So we're going to have a good one today, and then we'll be back in January. Paul, how are you, mate? Are you looking forward to your break?
1: I sure am, mate. I'm sure I'm. One more podcast after this, two therapy clients in the morning, and then I'm done for 10, no, 14, 15, 16 days. So... I'm looking forward to
2: it. he beat it, mate. It's well-earned. I mean, who's going to be doing podcasts and Christmas Eve and all that? It's just taking a piss. You would be surprised. Honestly. It's not on
1: Christmas Eve, but round about that time, like, people come back into the city. Uh-huh. People that are normally here are here for a couple of weeks. Well, you know, COVID-willing. Yeah. But um, nah, mate, it's not happening.
2: There's a forum on Facebook called the Scottish Comedy Forum and there's like 30,000 members. Most of them are all Scud books, right? (laughs) And a couple of years ago, (laughs) a couple of years ago, I remember a guy uh, posted on Christmas Day, would anybody ever do a Christmas Day gig? And literally everybody was like, mate, what the fuck?
1: It's Christmas Day, mate. Aye, mate, you need to be one some sad piece of shit to want to go to work (laughs) on Christmas. I'm kidding (laughs) on, mate, that is so shite. (laughs) No, it is, man. You're a sad piece of sack of
2: shit. Unless you're like Working for an ambulance Or a doctor Or a police or something You shouldn't be working On Christmas day
1: Aye mate It's a hard Apart time Apart from
2: me When I'm grafting birds uh, And <laughs> I never take a day off.
1: <laughs> Sorry I get my Covid jag the day I'm fucked Right You fucking turned into a lizard
2: <laughs> Aye I got my booster uh, I feel a wee bit rough
1: mate Aye mate you will Yeah Put a flu vaccine into it man You're gonna feel rough For a couple of days um, my mate It's so funny Like You hear how the The, the fucking Facebook post Really infiltrate people's head. When my mate was texting me going I've got that Moderna elm." I'm like What's that? Where they gave me the jag it's, it's sore And I'm like Aye mate Because you get stabbed Like you ever See when you're a wee guy Do you ever get stabbed in elsewhere, With a compass And like fucking techie or something Aye. like that Mate that shit hurt for days man Aye So I, Of course uh, No it's the vaccine Like okay no bother, it's supposed to be sore. See if it's no sore, mm-hmm. you're not working hard enough, mate. <laughs> that means that the vaccine's working, <laughs> <laughs> it hurts on the way in and the way out.
2: I actually needed five vaccines a day because the nurse said I was that solid. She was like, No, nah, you need more. <laughs> Did you
1: tuck that shit under your belt? <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's the same, you know. I know it's probably got nothing today with the similar to it, but uh. When people get a hair transplant, mm-hmm. they don't realize that it takes four weeks to heal, right? Right. And it takes up to 22 months for it to look normal. But we live in a society that you're like, what do you mean you need to take a week? Like, I had to take seven days off after it. Right. People can't, nobody get patience for
1: that. Right. It's no type of thing you can go and get done your lunch hour or what. Aye. Go but home I after think it. we
2: live in a society when, like, nobody wants to get the. The vaccine because you're going to be fucked for two days mm-hmm. And they don't realise that
1: They're going to kill their granny in Christmas Day or whatever. Sometimes
2: you're going to be fucked
1: Aye for sure I mean
2: but. that's getting nothing to do with the hair transplant I'm, t- I'm just tripping it, my nut
1: No but it, I think Well you know what mate Hair transplants are becoming pretty common If they if they became affordable or something Like yeah. they are, they're firing credit accounts cunts Like here come get a hair transplant <sighs> Pay it up every four I months or something like that Right okay It's so very seen, cheap seen a few people get it done um, Do you know what was really weird was this experience like see for like the last sort of maybe until about a year ago right I always felt like I was gone bald mm. and I would be pure oh I should just shave my head man and then I seen some can't get a hair transplant and they were like the big reveal and I was like that looks like my hair so that guy's paid thousands to go and get what is essentially my hair doing now he's shown it off It's like maybe I'm maybe I'm not gone bald yeah. it's weird to put your fucking eyes date you sometimes man I think one of my mates said it to me It was like pure Oh you're thinning And see for there And I was like quite obsessed But what I have noticed See since I've like recovered from mental health issues and shit My hair's way thicker Yeah I don't It must have been stress related I've been like thinning or whatever Would
2: have been See when you realise that nobody gives a fuck as well Like Aye. See the first day that I was allowed to walk out the house uh, With my, my head like, I was walking down the main road. Do you need road. to stay in? Basically, I, because right. your head gets infected, you right. need to rest, you can't wash it. So, even if you did right. go out, you're going to be walking out with kind of dried in blood all over your head. Cause you're not allowed to touch it. Right. You so, can't touch it for okay. se- or scratch it for seven days. Right. See when you wash your head after seven days, it was like an orgasm in the Aye, shower. Man, oh my god! But see when I did get a wash and went out for a walk, and mm-hmm. obviously my head was still massive and bruised, and it looked fucked. And you're walking past people and they can even looking at you. And I'm like, I'm feeling self-conscious for losing a wee bit of hair.
1: Uh, Nobody they give mean. gives a fuck do they man see anybody that does give a fuck like you don't really you really shouldn't care what they types of people think see people that are like see people and be like oh I mean you should shave you see that's a pure state it's like fuck off mate you know what I mean like people live their fucking life man exactly are you walking about pure obsessing about it the way other people fucking look you yeah, mad fucking pedo <laughs> <Aye>. <laughs> mad exactly. say this bastard I, I genuinely think it's always a reflection of how they feel about themselves mate like my mate that did that to me pure oh you're thinning he went bald when he was like 21, so he's just pure hyper-focused on cunts hair because he's yeah. like, oh, but it was a genuine eye-opener when people are paying thousands to get my hairdo, you yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm pure telling myself, that should be shaved my head, but I get rid of that shit, but like I said, it was about a year, maybe. mate, see, I don't know about you, but see my concept of what year it is, man, it's fucked, see that 2020 COVID year, that doesn't need... I'm like that. That was about a year ago. I really sort of it wasn't it, it was like two, three years ago. Like what's yeah. happened to fucking time, man? It's crazy just crazy.
2: Inter- <laughs> mental, mate. Probably looks like we're going towards another lockdown as well, mate. Uh a lot of pantos getting cancelled and gigs are getting uh, cancelled. I so. don't
1: I don't know if we're gonna go into a full lockdown, but it looks like they're definitely gonna start limiting capacities at least. Mm. I think I'd seen a leaked memo for the Welsh government where it was like half going back to the rule of six, mm. you can only meet so basically they're getting they're winding it back step by step. So, like, the last, I think, stage of restrictions was you can meet indoors no more than six people from two or three households working back to that. Like, mm-hmm. um, whether or not we go back to a full lockdown, I don't know. But, you know, case of ass Like, I, we kind of do about it, you know? Like, if these cases are fucking skyrocketing, mm-hmm. what are we going to do? It
2: is what it is, isn't it?
1: Did you have any anxiety when you were getting your... Your vaccines, because I'm not gonna lie, mate. See, when I went to the Louisa Jordan for that uh, second, I had a wee moment where I was like, "Fuck, man, what if this is all pure mind control?" So <laughs> you did you I need to have a word with yourself, man? So did
2: I. See, since day one, I've been pro NHS, pro mask, pro vaccine, right? And then right up until a week before I get my first vaccine, I'm surrounded with dough balls right? <laughs> that are friends, I know. <laughs> and a lot of them are like David Ike, all that type of stuff, uh-huh. and a few of them fucking nearly got me, man, to the point that I was like, this vaccine has been rushed out, and all that type of stuff. It has not really, though, they've been working on it for 10 years. It's got something to do with SARS, is not
1: it? Aye, well, Ebola and, and um, swine flu Aye. and all that are all part of it the SARS strain, which is COVID is aye. part of that. So aye, you're right. So they've been working on it for 10 years and obviously they
2: flung all the money at it and they've mm-hmm. rushed it through. But I don't know what it is, but I, I did think, do you know what? I'm not going to take it. And then I spoke to my cousin and my cousin said, are you fucking serious? Like you've, since day one, you've like slaughtered people that have been <laughs> anti-vax, uh-huh. all that type of stuff. And then I was working with my, my, my mate one day and we were in the West End, and I swear on my mother's life, see the guy's huss that we're working on. Uh, the guy was a doctor. He was retired for a couple of years, mm-hmm. and he worked with uh, viruses like AIDS, He's done everything, cancer, top, top guy, right? Right. And he came out of retirement to work <clears throat> with Right, this... aye.
1: When they gave the licences back to people. Aye, because
2: mm-hmm. they were short as well, short-staffed, mm-hmm. and he was an expert. And I said, look, mate, can I please talk to you for two minutes? I'm scared. I'm surrounded by cold-water therapists that are telling me not to take the vaccine, mm-hmm. to take vitamin C. And he sat me down and he was basically said look the only way we're gonna get through this is taking a vaccine and then see when it kind of levels out and things kind of get back to normal it'll just be like the flu jab once a year and that's right that's i don't so the guy sold me on it and then i got and done went and done it but the first one i got my arm was a wee bit sore the second one i was fucked for three days aye
1: that's it mate i mean <sighs> I had a conversation with a guy last weekend where well, I had two conversations in the one week, and it just shows you how deep this runs. Like for people that you know and people that you're like, well, okay, it's it's not just idiots. They're no, you know what I mean. Like as much as it's funny to go I'm surrounded by dough balls, like I've yeah. get, I've you know I had conversation two conversations last week. One with a good mate who was telling me that he's not getting the booster. So I was watching the football, double vax, and he said I'm not getting the booster, and I was like, how come? And He was like, oh, I read this article. About the link between strokes and the Pfizer vaccine. So I was like, well, first of all, get the article out. I'm not sitting here listening to you talk fucking <laughs> pish. Like, get out <laughs> of it I want to read it. So struggles to find it. And, and I'm like, where did you see it? Guess where? Facebook. And I was like, what was the website? Don't know. And I was like, right, get into your internet history, put in. COVID vaccine. We find the article, right? It's on some fucking mad WordPress fucking... <laughs> not even get a proper URL. It's, just, it's like pure numbers and all sorts of pish. I'm like, right, cool. Who's the author? Can't I find the name of the author. It's not even the Pfizer. So this just demonstrates it to me in a weird way. Like it, They were talking about AstraZeneca, and I was like, well, listen, mate. Listen, look. See if you're going to spout your pish, at least know what pish you're going to spout to people. Uh-huh. Don't start flinging vague ideas at people. Have it, it shows me that you've no really thought about this. You've yeah. read something vaguely and decided that's it. Yeah. You've no done even the most basic due diligence on the information that you're consuming and you're consuming junk, right? So then we're like, let's look at the data, right? The data was real, right? Mm-hmm. But it was 4,000 people spread over six months in, a, in an area, right? And when we Googled area and that six months, 180 million vaccinations had been administered. <laughs> so you're talking about a fraction of a fraction of a percent. And also, when you look at the line of people that had took strokes, nah. it hasn't even up year yeah. on year. So that's kind of circumstantial. So, f- so, so would it be like us
2: taking paracetamol and you having a stroke through taking paracetamol, but then you say, but there's 7 billion people in the world... 5 million people take paracetamol. Right,
1: exactly. And adding to that that say paracetamol came out at the start of this year. Mm. 19,000 people have died within 7 days of taking paracetamol through strokes. Mm-hmm. But last year, 21,000 people died in that same time period. So it's false equivalence, like of course people are going to die in the days and the weeks and the months after getting a vaccination. Yeah. Because people fucking die. Yeah <laughs> and people take strokes. So I was like to him, like you've convinced me I was like to him, Thank you very much. You've convinced me to go and get my booster because you've just reinforced to me how easily people are convinced by really poor data, poor arguments. But if you in that sense, it was real what he was talking about. He just does not know how to interpret data. Yeah. And 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 neither do I mate. I just done a basic sort of five minute dig on this article and found it to be unreviewed yeah. nae author on a pish website and also like the the data that they'd pulled was real but the conclusion that they had came to it was absolute fucking nonsense horseshit. yeah so that was one conversation and my mate Dave was like pure shit nae bleep his name it <laughs> <laughs> he was like you know still on the fence mate I had no. I was just kinda like pointed out the nonsense and what he was telling me and he, and he he wasn't budging, that's he didn't crazy. seem to budge in any way, which is fine, that's, yeah. but then, the other conversation, and I'll, I'll edit this down, so it's like really quick mate, was we a guy on Saturday night, and he was saying to me, anybody that goes and gets this is a shite bag, hmm. and I was like, the opposite of that is true mate, why are you not getting it? Yeah. Because, he was like, because of, like, people are dying, I was like, so you're afraid of taking the vaccine, why am I a shite bag? Eh, uh, Because you're just (laughs) falling, you're a sheep. And I'm like, no, actually, I'm no, mate. I have the same reservations and scepticism that you do. Yeah. And I had anxiety going and getting it. Like, uh, make uh, it make sense to me. Yeah. And I will get on your side. Yeah. But see until you're rambling a whole load of fucking pish that you've found on the internet, Mm -hmm. on YouTube, on Facebook, that has got no way of, like, you know, being reviewed by experts like Joe Rogan yesterday had a doctor on. From Texas, right? Talking about COVID and talking about... he, So he was the, the hydrocoding guy, the, the bleach pish that get fed to Trump. Yeah. He's on Rogan unchallenged. Yeah. Talking about stuff that if you Google it is real, but the conclusions that the guy comes to is like this mad leap over a fucking chasm of like yeah. mental gymnastics. Was that the older guy? Uh-huh. Yeah. And like... What, what Rogan did, I don't know if you remember, with a vegan thing where he go there was a netflix documentary about how you can be a healthy vegan then he put on this guy who was a counterpoint then he got so many complaints that he brought in the guy that did the research for the netflix documentary and they shared their data with each other and then two weeks later they came in and they had a debate the guy for netflix bitch slapped this guy about fucking rogan's podcast yep. right he needs to do the same thing with this guy yeah. they need to get somebody because You know, this guy gets a billion downloads a month, mate. It's not... There's 7.2 billion people on the planet. There's a big, huge proportion of the planet that listens to this guy's podcast. He needs to get this guy on. They need to share data backwards and forwards with a government expert or an expert for the W, like the World Health WHO. Yeah. And they need to have it out on that podcast because you can't platform people like that that are coming away with pish about life. And, you know, let's just half the population of the planet let's just let 50% of the population yeah. you know mostly disabled and old people just die because we don't you know I want to be able to go to Burger King fuck you man exactly mate i am probably very... edit all that out mate no fuck it keep it in keep it in too much it... of me fucking talking about it, mate I'm no. just so sick of it mate and like my girlfriend last Christmas Mr. Granny's fucking final Christmas on this fucking planet because I pish That's going on do you know what I mean idiots yeah that just don't want to fucking listen, do you know what yeah. I mean? And, and think that this is all just some sort of big fucking joke and that they know more than anybody else, do you know what yeah. I mean? I'm an intuitive. Like, do you know what you are, mate? A fuck nugget. Yeah. Like, go away. I,
2: no, you're no. You listen to Joe Rogan, you smoke weed, and your brains became warped. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with me listening to Joe Rogan It's improved my life. I wouldn't have been a vegan if it wasn't for Joe Rogan. That's where I heard Rich Roll. Right. I was like, who's this dude? Went and listen to him.
1: I was like, wow. Did you listen to the one where they got the guy after? Yep. Right. And
2: it was the most satisfying thing I've ever listened to in my life. Because he was just flat out saying, you're a liar. And you know, it is true. When I was a vegan, I was a hardcore vegan for two years, right? See, as soon as I started eating cheese again and drinking milk and eating chocolate, that's when I get fucked. It wasn't being a vegan that fucked me. It was...
1: Introducing these foods again. Aye, for sure, mate, so, but see what like you're saying? Look, people are convinced. Like you can get two people that read the same set of same reports, same set of data, and people will naturally go to one side or the other based on their own biases. Yeah. It's as simple as that. And if somebody is, you know, a Trumper or you know they've got political motive, you know, they live in Texas, which is said no lockdowns, yeah. any, you know, blah blah blah. Then you need to take that into consideration when you're forming your opinion. There's a guy mm. walked in here last night. Went, I don't think you can catch COVID twice. And I was like, Well, I know a couple of people where that's happened. So, but why do you think that? Because I listened to this podcast with Joe Rogan today, and it's like, so you now believe something because you listened to it yeah. on a podcast. Like I listened to the same podcast. Mm-hmm. was like that's really interesting looked at some of the facts went fuck what this guy's saying's true then googled the guy and went but i'm gonna be a bit skeptical just based on what i've read yeah that's it you know i'm, I'm not gonna buy into things just because somebody that sounds like they know what they're talking about on a mm-hmm. podcast is flapping their fucking gums like i could quite easily be like you know i'm a i'm a you know mental health professional with over a thousand hours a therapy under my belt and i'm here to tell you that depression does not exist yeah and somebody might listen to that and go oh, that guy really knows what he's talking mm-hmm. about my, my, my girlfriend's depression's all that of shite. Yeah. she's been self-indulgent that's it you know what i mean yeah. like it just aye it's it's crazy mate well just my dad's old like people make push for idiots mm-hmm. you just need to know that at all times in your head people make push for idiots yeah you know what i mean um aye fuck it anyway <laughs> Enjoy your fucking booster. <laughs>
2: I, as I kind of see it, my left eye while talking to you. <laughs> no, nah, it's what I'm saying, but... So... Uh, sobriety, we're going to talk about... Sobriety, no, this is me. a strange one for me, because today, um the 17th of December, is the actual, my sober date. So today I'm six years sober. Congratulations, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Um,
1: what do you mean by sober?
2: Six years ago, I had my last drop of alcohol and drug.
1: Right, so you're alcohol and drug free. Yes. Congratulations, mate. It takes a hell of a lot of willpower to go six years.
2: Thank you very much, mate. And as time goes on, see the achievement of being sober. It's not as euphoric, but I realise that I've got a platform... I realise that we're nearly two years into a lockdown or COVID or whatever you want to call it. I know that this time a year is dreadful for some people without all this carry-on mm-hmm. alone. Just this time of year is bad enough. Mm-hmm. And then you're adding COVID and all this shit. It's just awful. So I think I've got a platform. Might be a small platform, but it might help someday. Just like it helped me that showed me that kind of sober life. So I thought that I would talk about my sobriety, uh, share about my experience, maybe my first drink mm-hmm. in between and my last drink, and then the both of can name some charities to help some people. For sure, and mate. It, it won't be the type of fucking, go up to the camp, she's with your budget, and it will only be £65, and don't take <laughs> antidepressants. And I'm not saying don't go to a doctor. If you're fucked and you need help, go to a doctor. Go to the Absolutely, experts. Man. Absolutely. But hopefully I can help someone. And you know, I think we I know a few people that when they get when they've got a sober date, they just say, Oh, it's just another day, trying to be humble. And I think, mm. do you know what? Life is fucking awful, right? Life is shit. It's amazing. We've got friends and family and all that. But see birthdays and these moments are small moments of joy. Mm-hmm. I think they should be celebrated.
1: A hundred percent agree with you. See if you've achieved something, pat yourself on the back. Yeah, and whatever way that looks, that's all right. If you want to make a video, and put it on uh, Instagram and and do it, man, do mm-hmm. it. People, if somebody looks at it and goes, "Oh, what a self indulgent," blah blah blah. Fuck them. Yeah. Like they're they're probably in the middle of <laughs> whatever that you're talking about. So, yeah. mate, I genuinely uh, have so much respect for people that overcome addiction. It's it it's a curse. For people like mm-hmm. i think that especially in the the world that we live in um so many people are addicted to so many things Um yeah. so hearing a story of sobriety can and will inspire people yeah. so if it's not for you that's great yeah turn off you know?
2: we'll still try and make it funny because every sadly everybody knows an alcoholic especially in Aye scotland and glasgow we've just been ravaged with this it's part disease. of our culture mate i mean
1: yeah it might, doesn't even shock me when I hear about people like, I'm going to ask you, but my first drink was at like eight. Was it? I mate, mean, I had, well, I had had like a shandy, you know, like a, a bit of beer put in at Christmas Day and a, like a snowball on Christmas Eve, but I get a litre bottle of Pulse, <laughs> which was a fucking, <laughs> at the time, now how old I was, was a 75p bottle of cider and I went to a school fun day. Mmm. That was my first drinking experience, but then I didn't drink for years after that, and had my first proper drink at like sixteen, yeah, which was like three liters of strongbow that get consumed the other course of like you know between five <laughs> o'clock at night and eleven o'clock at night, mate, and I was steaming, yeah, like blind drunk, like made a feel made an out, So yeah. what, what age were you?
2: I think I was fourteen. I see because so much time has passed, uh, memories became blood, but. 14 was my first one, and I think it was the same as you, mate. I had, a, I think, my brother, I don't even know why he done it, gave me a can of beer. And yeah, I grass. Like, I'm on, yeah. I, know. I was like, oh, that was kind of shite. Aye, mate. And then I had my first drink when I was 16, and it was in a golf course. And exact same as you, mate. I made an absolute cunt of it. I was greeting. Um, there was a wee burn in the golf course. It was just like a wee swamp and I remember the police drove into the golf course to lift everybody, and I ran away, and I ended up falling into the barn.
1: <laughs> so I was So I like, was doomed for the start. I,
2: so I remember, like, <laughs> see, as the police were lifting everybody, I was in this wee swamp like that. Literally <laughs> like that. Just peeking out for a swamp. What
1: fucking... Uh, f- what's the mad fucking... The pure famous war movie but he's in the fucking... <laughs> <laughs> oh... Apocalypse. Hi, mate. Look, Mar- <laughs> Martin Sheen in *Apocalypse*, pure, just the eyeballs hanging out, my I went back to
2: my house that night, drenched in shit. My mum's like, "Have you been drinking?" Like, no, but I probably started drinking when I was eighteen, and mm. there's a couple of major things in my life. Like, I was always—I think people think you've got a, a stereotypical view of an alcoholic, a guy that will lie under a bridge and drink cheap cider.
1: <laughs> Meth and milk.
2: Aye. I, I think, I personally think you don't need to be drinking no. every day to be an alcoholic. No. It's how you,
1: how you feel. Yeah, mate. I had a problem with alcohol. I wouldn't have classified myself as an alcoholic, uh-huh. but I had a problem with alcohol. My problem with alcohol was I could not have one or two drinks. Yeah. If I went out and you can ask any of my mates, testify to this, mate i would just be like fucking guzzling the bevy doing man it was total escapism yeah friday night saturday night and then during the week you would sort of like whatever but i still see that as an addiction because i think that you can enjoy alcohol Mm -hmm. maybe know if you've experienced like what addiction is or whatever it is but when you start to use it as an escape for like real life whether that be one night or seven nights a week, I think that you've got a problem with yeah. Um, you've got the potential to have a problem and you should start managing yourself at the very least. Mm-hmm. So I know what you mean, like, alcoholics don't, and addicts don't look, you know, I remember a guy that used to, I think I mentioned this to you before, used to work for the council as a bin man and would fucking go home and smoke heroin and wow. I remember being quite shocked by that, like, what, he's got a job and... He's got a bird and they've got a wing and he fucking, sm- he's taking smack. That doesn't compute in my head and it's because of that idea that you're talking about that addicts look like this. Mm-hmm. No, they don't, man. We're surrounded by them. Fuck's yeah. sake. I know cunts that are addicted to their phone. Oh, addicted aye. to fucking food. Addicted to porn. Addicted to fucking yep. go to the gym. Addicted to being fucking, taking photos and putting it on the internet. You know what aye, I mean? Like, exactly. Just everything, mate. Because I think i, I when I f- first
2: started to realize that I maybe have a might have a problem, I was comparing myself to other alcoholics, maybe family members, and you know looking at being judgmental and mm-hmm. looking at like homeless people or drug addicts and thinking I've still got a job and I'm no homeless and I can't be an alcoholic and and then see when the penny drops it's it's not exactly a devastating feeling, I think it was. Um, I think I realised I was an alcoholic when I when I stopped drinking. Like I've had long periods of sobriety in my life with no right. with no help or no support network, and see those months, um, they've been the worst months of my life right. because I've took away self, It's like self medicating. I've took away the self medication, and I've done nothing about
1: try to replace it Aye. or fix the, the underlying Aye. issue.
2: So I don't know if you've ever had that in your life when people stop drinking for Lent or something like that and then your family will be like, he's better off on the fucking drink, <laughs>
1: never mind after. Well, that's it, mate. It's like people that have uh, maybe an eating disorder or uh-huh. um eat too much and then they go to the opposite direction and start restricting everything that they eat and going to the gym religiously and it's unacceptable if I don't get up and I don't work out and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, now you're on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. Life is about finding that balance about, like, what do you, yeah. what do you want today? You know, like, truly. Um, but I think that I get quite a lot, as a therapist as well, I get quite a lot of questions for people like, oh, how do you know that you're addicted? See if you have that thought in your head. Am I addicted? Mm-hmm. see the thing that you're thinking about, get up for a month. Aye. No matter what it is that you're thinking about, if you're asking that question, is this a problem? Then experiment to see if it is a problem. Yeah. And you'll fucking find out soon enough, because if on that first night you're like, oh, you're itching, you're jonesing for something, yeah. then you're, you've are you got a problem, you know? Exactly. It's But that's my experience in life as well, because
2: I know it's supposed to be anonymous, but I've, I went to... Alcoholics Anonymous and the only reason I stopped going was because of COVID and I went there for years and it served a purpose and it Mm -hmm. helped me but I'm not shackled by it I used it as a tool to help me get through a bad period of my life Uh but if I need help I would go to the doctor or a therapist or use anything I can to get through that but I, I used to see people come there including myself by the way And sit there and think, I'm an alcoholic. Hmm. See if you walk through the doors of an AA meeting and you're sitting on a chair at a meeting. I think that answers your question. Before you even speak. Do you know what I mean? And there's no shame. I look at it this way, right? I'm allergic to alcohol. That's it. It's that simple. See, when I put alcohol or drugs into my body, it changes every aspect of my life, it changes me physically it changes me mentally, mm-hmm. and I think it changes me spiritually. Yeah,
1: mate, 100%. And I, I get quite, you know, I, I'm a, a po- I'm drug positive, uh-huh. like totally drug positive, you know, not, no about, like, you know, injecting black tar heroin, <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> if you need a, a painkiller, man, morphine, like you, yeah. we, we, exactly what you said, like even the drugs can be tools and people be like, but you smoke weed and you take mushrooms and you're talking about addiction. Uh-huh. I think that what's very important about how you use a drug and I include alcohol in this and caffeine, by the way, and tobacco mm-hmm. is what is the intention of you taking it? So if your intention of having a glass of wine or a beer is to, you know, be with your pals, social lubrication, Feeling part, uh, you know, some people but be like, I feel, I feel kind of like an outcast if I sit and have a Diet Coke and everybody's having a drink, right? Well, you have one or two. That's totally different for what I was doing, and it sounds like what you were doing, yeah. which was like, as soon as a Jack Daniels, I cracked a bottle a Jack Daniels open, my head was pure, let's get fucked up, man. Let's get fucked up. I want to get fucked up. That was my yeah. intention. I used to say to people, I had this weird thing. I, had, I could always control it, but people would be like, do you want a pint? And I'd be like, we going to? Mm. Nah. And I'd be like, no, nah, it's fucking pointless then. Yeah. Oh, what, really? I, I drink to get drunk, mate. I don't, you know, that was basically what I was doing. I'm the same, mate. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? So your intent is really important. The mm-hmm. Intention, like, I take mushrooms as, like, a sort of therapeutic thing for my mind. Mm-hmm. I've got mates that take it, to get fucked up. Yeah. And they usually don't have that great a time when they take them. But when you take them with this intention of, like, sort of, I really want to be present with it, and I really want to get something out of this. It's they it can be a really great tool, yeah. like you know what I mean. So um, I'm I understand.
2: An... With all, I, I don't judge people that smoke weed. The only reason I probably don't smoke weed is because I can't handle it. Like mm-hmm. I just can't handle it. Just I could go out, take when I was younger, take twenty ekkies, right? Honestly, and be all right, in t- twenty pints. And still be functioning at a party. Mm -hmm. See if you gave me two draws of a joint. I would go fucking white, paranoid, hear voices. And I'm like, right. Physically, I just can't react to Uh that. That's not for me.
1: Was ecstasy your drug of choice?
2: It used to be when I was younger. I really hope my family's not fucking listening to this. So I think
1: this is like an important thing about it. is, Is that you just talked about your first drink, right? Do you remember your first half pill? Yeah and how good was that fucking, I mean, that's basically what you're chasing for the rest of your pill journey. Yep. And I was the same as you, mate. I'd go to nightclubs and take eight yep. and just be like, fu- so fucked up, but I never achieved that high that I go, I was in a house party in Burmolk and took half a love heart in like fucking 2003. Yep. And mate, I, I, ju- I can even still remember the hells in the back of my neck, up and just going, oh mate, oh my God, Aye. really? And then playing football in a back garden in the passion range of pure howling.
2: <laughs>
1: Aye. I did. I do
2: remember having this curiosity towards drugs. It was like a hunger that was never gone away. And I started right. asking people in my school that took them, what's it like? And nobody would have stopped me for taking Ekkies before I took them. Because it was so... It, it just wasn't going to stop me. Like, and see soon as I took it, my first pill, I remember thinking my life is never going to be the same. See, before I took my first drink, I, I you know we're surrounded with alcoholics and alcoholism, mm-hmm. right? I, I f- hated alcohol when I was younger, before I even drank it. And right. see, the first time I drank, maybe you know the can of beer with my brother, but the first time I got drunk, mm-hmm. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to have so a problem. So what was
1: it about drinking that made you like, what was the change? What do you mean? Like, what did you notice that made you be like, "I'm gonna drink again"? Because, well, I know myself uh-huh. what it was. I was like freeing. I... It was totally freeing. I was getting cunts abuse. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I was just, just being a dick, really. But it was like almost it just freed me up to just, and I was just like, want I did that again." It was that was what it was for me. That's what I noticed.
2: I I think looking back through a lot of self work, I think I realised it felt like a medicine. I was like crippled with anxiety and confidence problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, couldn't talk to girls. Uh, couldn't do anything really. Hated myself, and then soon as I was drunk, I felt the tension leave my body. Mm-hmm. But that's a terrible cycle of self harming, and then there's a lot of chemical reactions to your brain because any time I. Towards the end, anytime I drank or took drugs, it was twenty four hours in my bed. Uh, I remember the last time I, sp- I peed into an empty bottle of liquid, I couldn't leave my bed. Right, like I crippled
1: like, with anxiety. Yep. Right, so couldn't that, leave, couldn't speak. Couldn't that's eat. when, like, mental health meets a substance like that. Yep. I noticed that myself, mate. Yep. When I was in the pits of my depression and anxiety, drink the the for like days after drinking, I would have the most ultimate fear. Uh-huh. And would think that's a hangover. My hangovers are getting worse, getting yeah. old. It's like you're twenty eight, like <laughs> mate. It's no. It's that your fucking problem is meeting your other fucking problem uh-huh. on these Sunday mornings when you wake up. Do you know what I mean?
2: It's like the young team that take gear. They, I think there's a high suicide rate with young men. Yep. Um, I'm not saying it's with drugs, but when you take cocaine, right? See if you're 19 years old in Glasgow and you buy a gram of coke off someday. See if I'm a coke dealer, I'm going to say, see that 19-year-old, I'm giving him the shite gram because he's a fucking dafty and he's not going to do anything. So see that gram, it's going to be full of paracetamotivin powder, ekkies, maybe speed or whatever. It's mixed up into all this shite and then you've got a wee guy at 19 to 25. I'm not being condescending when I say wee guy, sorry. And then you're snorting all this gear, you're taking all this booze, and you wake up the next day and you're like, what the fuck has happened to me? It's because your brain has went into shock. You're probably depressed anyway. Mm-hmm. Maybe your anxiety anyway. It just times all oh, that by a billion. And that's what I realised with me. But there's, I mean, that, see when you think back to your, beha- remember Vine? Do you ever remember Vine? Aye,
1: of course, mate. I was limmy daft on Vine. Right.
2: So I done pretty well in Vine, right? Mm-hmm. And Vine was before Scott Squad. Right. So I did stand up all the time. I worked in ASDA, and I was a part-time comedian. Simple days, was it? <laughs> the glory days. <laughs> so I used to. This is how I used to operate. See the box as a nightclub in Glasgow. Yes yeah. In Sucky Hall Street. I mate loved it. know. Open seven nights a week to three in the morning. So this was my technique to get to to be a functioning alcoholic. I started to know the people in the box because they were mad wrestling fans. I did some wrestling work and they just loved comedy. So I had done gigs in there. So what I used to do is any night of the week, it didn't matter what it was, but it was mostly Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I used to walk into the box and they'd say, all right, Darren, how you doing? What were you up to the night? And then I would say, I was doing a gig. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm buzzing at my nut. I'm just in for a pint to come down because I'm buzzing on adrenaline at uh-huh. a gig. And they'd be like, aye, no worries, on you go. You want a pint? Probably get a three pint, two, three pints, cheap drink and just stone at the bar and get mad with it. And then people would recognise me for Vine. Oh, you're that mad cunt for vain. And I'd be like, aye. And they'd be like, why are you in here yourself? Oh, I was gigging at the stand. I'm just in for a couple of pints before I go up the road. Uh-huh. Why don't you have a drink with us? Ah, uh, you sure?
1: that's it nah you're on a night out that you're was pure. it woo yes here we go
2: that was my technique right. every single time sometimes I even pull buds and all that it's fucking mental but Aye, I'm in course, there myself
1: mate, some of these people that you meet like uh, no offense to people but you end up going in these mental nights out sometimes and you're just like on like, these weird self-destructive fucking trips with oh. cunts that you've just met in a fucking pub and Aye. they become your best pal and you wake up the next day and you realise that you'd Probably wouldn't they fucking give them the time of day if you walk by them in the fucking aye, street, mate. Exactly. Oh, they, aye, mate. That type of stuff, like... Um, I hear Kieran talk about that a lot, and I'm like, gonna stop doing that. Go well, like, going random nights up. Just going out himself and picking up fucking stragglers and going yeah. for a fucking mental, depressive, back to a gaff with yeah. cunts that you don't know. It's like, you don't know
2: who these people are, man. Aye. And I... And there was another way that I did it. There's a pub in Bishop Briggs Crow called the Crow Tavern. Uh Right. And everybody knows everybody in Springburn and Bishop Briggs, right? So you could go into the Crow, the Briggs Bar, the Quinns, and you'll know someday. There's always somebody in there that you'll know. Mm -hmm. So what I did with the Crow Tavern was I used to walk inside it, right? And I knew 15 people there. I never knew that they were going to be in that night. But I'd go in how fucking pathetic is this right and I used to like look about and do that and then say I clocked my mate stepdad I won't <clears> name him right but he was standing there I'd be like alright mate how you doing and he's like are you, who you in for and I'd be like I'd be in for and name his son i am like right, we're, we're gonna get a quick pint but where is he and he's like he's not here I'm like oh fuck's sake man I thought we were getting a pint why don't you just grab a pint and wait for him to come in Oh, then. And then
1: that was that. Just looking trying to make an excuse to get a drink, man. I,
2: then I'd be there with my mate's stepdad getting mad weight on a Wednesday night. Uh, and I'm getting,
1: all chai tape pub. Getting prosies and fucking <laughs> <laughs> getting clout on your mate's stepdad. <laughs> I, but uh, I'm kidding on, mate, I'm kidding on. But you're right, mate, you're just looking for that excuse. Like yeah, alcoholics love Christmas mm. because every cunt's getting on it. So see, that's why people, like, end up in these mad, weird, toxic relationships, like, alcoholics find other alcoholics, it's like a match made in heaven for them, because then they've no get that partner being like, maybe you shouldn't drink tonight, maybe you should take it easy, they've just, they almost egg each other on, Yeah. and when you go into a pub and buy your silly, then you're like, oh, supposed to be, won't sit down with me. You're just sitting with somebody that's like, well, we'll get drunk. I don't know you. You don't know yeah. me. You get mate, I would love the types of circumstances as well. Cause I could spout pish to people. Aye. Just talk one load of shit. Oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. No, you'll know. You're in a pub at fucking two o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon having a fucking drink, man. Like <laughs> I'm the fuck done. But um I mean, it's it's mental, some of the the lengths that people will go to when they're in that, like you're saying, try and sort of act normal. Come on, oh, I'm meeting my pal, don't know where he is, and yeah. next minute you're fucking best pals for life, steaming it's drunk.
2: Like the best actor in the world, isn't it? It's like it's good crazy. good
1: training for you, but uh, what did your recovery look like then? When When you started to recover? Like what did you what did you do? Why did you do it? Was there a an episode or like an event? You're like, mate, I need to fucking gear this her up.
2: So I would say there was a there was a few major things that happened that led to me getting sober. One
1: was uh, try to suck your own dick, Stephen. Excuse in. me. <laughs> 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 what a hangover! <laughs> getting stuck. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm tra- I'm kind of getting mixed up with my time frame. What? Right. So basically, it started with.
0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Uh,
2: my mate was getting married, and we were going to a stag do in Berlin. Oh, so we were leaving on the Monday, mm-hmm. and I was doing some work with ICW for Scott Squad. So they were doing their wrestling show at the SEC. Right. I think it was like seven thousand people, and the my part was I had this running beef with a wrestler called Linehart, who sadly passed away Aye, now. Man,
1: Adrian. Adrian, Aye, such a sad story. A mate. great, great guy. I mate, by all accounts, a lovely guy. Yeah,
2: and he trained me at the asylum, and it never quite worked out, but we remained friendly. I'm not saying you know how sometimes when somebody passes away, they try to latch on and say, Oh, he's my best mate. Aye. I'm not saying he was my best mate, but certainly if I bumped into him, we would be nice to each other, right? Yeah, and there was this running uh joke that obviously wrestling scripted, so the thing was, uh, he was slagging me for being a failed trainee at the asylum, right. I was slagging him for being a terrible coach, mm-hmm. he broke his neck as well. And it all led up to this event at the SEC of me being in the crowd dressed up as Bobby, him pulling me over the railings, right. and just beating me up.
1: Who was their guest? What do you mean? Now, like, when the day ICW Day these big events at the SEC, the Hydro they usually hire, like, a big name.
2: Rhino. Rhino was there. Right, okay. But there was somebody else bigger there. But this is the point I'm saying. I can't even remember because I was that fucked. Right, okay. So I turn up, right, and we don't get paid because there's so many people there getting paid. So we are not getting paid, but there's a free bar. And Mark Dallas, he says, look, go in there and help yourself to the free bar. We're obviously two hours late. We turn around, we walk around, right? There's nothing there, no juice, no cups. There's just one big fucking gallon bottle of whiskey, right? Right. And I think it's for, you know, Costco for like sixty quid. And everybody was like, fuck drinking that man, we'll be at our box. And I'm like, no, I'm drinking that. Like there's no drink there. I'm not getting paid. I'm getting fucking some drink. (laughs) Taking that gallon bottle of bells. So I don't know how much I drank, but I certainly drank enough. Probably a litre. Right, right, okay. And I remember being in the audience, and I was blackout drunk, and uh, you know, still functioning, but like I've done my whole life.
1: You were standing,
2: aye, basically. Aye, uh, that was another moment as well. Somebody asked me, "How many gigs have you done?" And I think uh, round about that time, I said a thousand. And he says, "How many gigs have you done sober?" And I thought, "Fuck, Hmm. Uh, my first gig." Right. maybe, in my, what, like 10 gigs or something, right. anyway, back to the ICW story, I'm standing there, Adrian is giving me some chat, and he goes to pull me over the railings, and I am dead weight, right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm about 20 stone, dead weight, out my fucking nut, and he drags me out of the railings, and I fall flat on my back, but there is a... What's it called? See the thing that's holding up the the railings. It's like a steel it, bar. Aye, right. I know what you're talking about. Like, uh-huh. It's just holding it up so the railing doesn't fall. Uh-huh. I fall on top of that, right? Off. Don't feel a thing. Get up. We done our bit. It was very good. Went to the back. I'm buzzing out my nut, and I was like, "Ah, fuck, man! I think I've got a a stress knot because I'm so like tense." Uh-huh. And there was a BBC uh, press person there and I was like, ah, can you feel my back? and she done that with her thumb, she was like ah, fucking hell man, that is a stress knot she's like, ah, that's really really bad man you should get a massage never thought about it again woke up the next day right, mm-hmm. went to go in for a shower took my t-shirt off and see my entire right side it mm-hmm. was jet black
1: right, Did you break a rib? break a rib, man. oh for fuck's sake broke two ribs and, and right, so have you broke a rib sober? No Right, I have I don't think so I get kicked in the ribs and basically Did your rib pop out? Did you have to go back? Did you have to that's go in and get That's why she was reset? like Aye, that's the knot not. Aye, it's, not, it's a fucking bone <laughs> um, Mate, that is And I have um, broke legs, broke noses, broke my jaw Get punched into my fucking molars Flew, broke my elbow Like fell, out, hell. fell out a tree And my elbow hit a brick And getting kicked in the ribs and my rib popping out, Is the worst pain I have ever felt in my life yeah. You can't breathe Like you I, try and lie down You're like holy shit You can't get comfortable So f- me thinking about that pain And how drunk you would have had to have been for you to get up and do wrestling with two broken ribs is incredible, yeah. mate. I mean, even a bruised rib is yeah. like you can't move. Mental, is inter- it? So, so I no wonder you get fucking sober. Aye. Right. So, but I was
2: paranoid because I was going to my mates. This is not the end like of the story. story. Right. It gets right. fucking. Me- it right. gets right. mental. I forgot about the stag do. Right. So I go to stop Paul, and I say, "I'm an actor. I'm in Scott Squad. I was in a wrestling show. This is why I'm still at my nut." I was at a wrestling show at the SEC last night and I was drunk and it was dead weight and I get pulled over (laughs) (laughs) and the nurse is looking at me like, who are you, you fucking rocket? (laughs) So he's like, "Ah, look, you've got a broken rib. We can't really do anything about it apart from give you these really strong painkillers. So I'm getting my shit ready for my mate Stag do. Out my tits on painkillers, run back to my house. Grab my suitcase, don't even look at the suitcase, stick in hundreds of shit and go to Glasgow Airport. Little did I know that two years before then, I went to Bulgaria with my best mate, right? Just a lad's holiday, just the two years. And it, for 14 days, I was blackout drunk, right? When I was in Bulgaria, I don't know if a lot of people know this, Scott Squad is about 95% improv. A lot of the sketches we come up with ourselves, with writers as well. And we were walking through the strip in Bulgaria, and I went to this stall. They were selling gas masks, samurai swords, and knuckle dusters, right? Right. And I seen this knuckle duster, and it was like something uh, uh, the see the baddie uh, uh, shredder uh, the turtles. <laughs> aye, mate. It aye. was like his horn. Aye, aye. And see to me, it was so comical. And so stupid looking, right. I just couldn't. F- I was like, I can't believe that that's a weapon. So in my head, while I was drunk, I said, I'm going to buy that, and I'm going to use it for Scott Squad. And the sketch will be uh, Bobby buys a ring for his grander. but <laughs> he buys they knuckle don't. <laughs> they don't know. He doesn't know it's a knuckle duster. Right. So it's a black knuckle duster, put it into my black suitcase and this is how much of a fucking idiot I was. Stuck the suitcase in my room and it's no moved right. for two years. Right. So, see when I get back for the hospital and I pack my case for Berlin, uh-huh. there's still Bulgaria stickers on the suitcase. So, I'm running to Glasgow airport. Now, there was a chain of events that just fucked me from the get-go. It was, you, you were only allowed a full suitcase in. It was only handheld luggage or a really small suitcase. Right, but carry I've, on. I carry on. That's uh-huh. it. But I had a I had a suitcase the size of this fucking table. Aye. So straight away it flagged me up, and I remember standing in the queue. All my pals there. I'm drinking alcohol in the airport for a cure. I'm at my tits on these pinkles. Right. that I don't even know what are. Fuck's sake. And they stop it. The bags get stopped at customs, and I'm like in my head. I'm like, what? What the fuck? has taken him so long Mm -hmm. to process this bag. And I remember the guy looking at me like I was a psychopath and I was saying, is it my shampoo, mate?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, man, you've got some sort of mad sex toy in your fucking... (laughs) Aye, so little did I know,
2: well, I did know, he pulled out the fucking knuckle duster, right? (laughs) And see the feeling of such a weird feeling of I never, I completely forgot that it was there to begin with.
1: Aye, so you're like confused. Aye. Right. And but embarrassed.
2: Embarrassed, the shame. Uh huh. And it was just like, all my mates were like, ah, no fucking way he's got a knuckle duster. Because <laughs> none of them now either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, stoning there. You must
1: have been like, what the fuck is that, man?
2: <laughs> I know, and it's the fact that I was going into Glasgow Airport uh-huh. it was not the did, fact that I was you, leaving
1: <laughs> did you sober up quickly was it one of the things well, where you're like oh no the adrenaline pure goes not
2: it was weird because the police came right and the guy the guy police was like ah he never said you're fucked but you're that. You, you're in trouble he's like you're fucked right and I was like <laughs> before we even go into the room for questioning right I said mate you're not gonna listen to what I've got to say first and he's like ah I don't know like how are you gonna get Past us and I explained, told him a story honestly I told well, him honestly the I'm story I'm Bobby
1: on Scott's I, <laughs> did you lead with
2: that and he I basically I said <laughs> I just told him what I told you and he said look you've no got a criminal record you've never been in trouble it's pretty obvious that you're no a dafty that type of dafty You're a Mm -hmm. different type of dafty. So you can still go to Berlin and... They let you go? They let me go. But he's like, you'll probably get a letter through regarding this. So they let me go. I was able to go to Berlin. But see that euphoric high of being let to go? Mm -hmm. That weekend just turned into a fucking mental binge. Uh, People
1: gave me shots. So you had the fuck it button because you were nearly in jail, nearly no gone, and you get away with it, you're like, yes, man, fucking geezer.
2: Then I came back and then I started... What what happened? I came back and I realised I had a drink problem, right? And I never had a drink for seven months. And I stayed sober for seven months. Right. With no help from anyone. Never went to the doctors about depression. And this is what I'm saying. If you're struggling and you need help, you need to take every set of tools. You need to get in touch with somebody like Paul and ask for help while using many other different things to get you through this, Uh and i never done that, so Uh see for that 7 months, if somebody says how long you have to drink now, I'd be like 46 days and see that, that is no healthy that's another sign of an alcoholic because see when you stop drinking you want to be away from the shackles of addiction, I only drank for 14 years, see I started when I was 14 and I stopped when I was 28, see when I'm out in the tune when I'm 47, I don't want to recoil in disgust at somebody drinking a pint. No, I, I want to be able to sit in your company and for you to have a beer and for me to no give a fuck. Or, because you need to live your life because booze and drugs and all that are never going to go away. So, anyway, seven months sober and it was the worst fucking time of my life. I wanted to kill myself. I felt suicidal. And then... My pal's wedding happened. The boy that had his stag do in Berlin.
1: went he stag do seven months before his wedding? Fuck's sake, man. Yes. Whatever happened to the night before, man? I know. Sort of mental, ain't it? Aye, mate. And he's... shitting himself in case he does
2: something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Aye. And his wedding happened, and I remember my mate was there, and he was getting it fuck's sake, man, are you half a baby? Oh, no, man. Uh, you're always one of these mad cunts up doing diets, you're always doing this, you're always doing that. Right. Shame How come you? you can't have a drink? And I was like, genuinely said to his face, sadly, we're no met friends now, which is another thing you need to do. If there's nobody there supporting you, get them to fuck. See these negative people that hold you back, weigh your depression and alcoholism, get them to fuck. So I went to the toilet, came back from the toilet, and there was a pint on the table for me and he said just have a pint and i thought you're an arsehole and i was defenseless to the first drink because mm. i never had a support network there to help me so as soon i locked myself away for seven months cut myself off of the world
1: mm.
2: first day out no, i
1: buckled, you buckled mate. Wow. and
2: i had a beer right and then i went into the bus and and there was a boy sitting there drinking whiskey for a flask, whiskey again. And he was like, uh, "This tastes like shit, man. Do you want that?" And I was like, "Fuck it." Had uh, half a flask of whiskey, and I was out my tits. Now see, at the time after the wedding, everybody was like, "Darn, you were mad with it." There was a video getting filmed when we were getting interviews at the end. Like, mm-hmm. wh- why are you happy with the couple getting married? Uh-huh. So there was a bit that I done when I was talking shit, and it was really dark but see, at the time when it happened, I was so devastated with uh, shame and, like, being embarrassed. But I never... uh, Everybody's like, oh, you were out your nut. But I look back at that and think, I wasn't embarrassed about the wedding. I wasn't ashamed about that. I was just drunk. I wasn't any different from what everybody else was because everybody was taking drugs, everybody was drunk. I was just so devastated because I was sober for seven months, Mm. and then I drank, because I went back and I've looked at the video of me talking shite, and when it happened, everybody was like, mate, you're out of order, and I thought, I looked at it and I said, that's me just doing a bit, like I'm clearly in, uh, like I'm doing a character, like I'm talking shite, because the cameraman, that was a a wedding video guy, he was filming it, he recognised me for Scott squad. I'm out my tits. Started to show off. I'm sitting there with a bird. I've got my arm runner. She walks away and my arm's still like that. So it's obvious that I'm doing a fucking bit. Was that planned? That she walked away? No, she just walked away because I was gibbering shite saying we're <laughs> going to get married and all that. Just talking shite. But at the time I was so like gutted. But thankfully my pals have came back and said, look, you were just mad with it. You weren't any different for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, the 10th of December, uh, seven years ago. And a lot of people got sober that night, right? But see, because... Was that wedding a catalyst for sobriety? A lot, a all sobriety? lot of kids get sober, right? But uh, That's a sign of a good night, mate. <laughs> see, if you and all your mates are like pure, <laughs> I mean, we're half like, it for a year. There's like three people that have not had a drink since that wedding, <laughs> Fuck right? Fuck's sake, man. So, what a night that uh, must have been. That was the 10th of December. And I was still, my head was absolutely fried, right? I, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm only 28. I can't be an alcoholic. So uh, the next day, um, I woke up and I was in my bed for 24 hours, pissing into bottles, couldn't move, depressed, suicidal. And I took a week off work. And then, seven days later, a comedian, said i want to work with you in some videos let's meet for a drink Mm -hmm. and i said to him i'll meet you but i think i might be an alcoholic that was the first time i ever said that and i meant it and he said well why don't you just drink what i'm drinking instead of drinking what you normally drink just copy me and we'll see how that goes Mm -hmm. and i went out that night and i was mentally physically and spiritually broken like, crushed. And then I, I didn't even want a drink. I remember having a white wine. Never drank it before in my life.
1: Disgusting shit, man.
2: Disgusting. I think I had a gin. Ugh, meld disgusting shit. Couple of beers, a red wine, and we were standing at the bar. And I think it was like rum. It was some type of cocktail rum or something. And I remember when I was drinking it, something, honestly, in my head just done that. Enough like, it was like an, an an inner voice, I don't know if they say it's an, a higher power or whatever, because I've said a million times that I'm not going to drink anymore. that's me, I need help, but that moment in time, I was like, I'm done, and 17th of December was my last drink, and I knew it was going to be hard, I knew that you know you're removing that self-medicating what am i going to replace it with mm-hmm. i've replaced it with a lot of things food to this day is still a struggle you know i can mm-hmm. be skinny i can be fat uh, but you know it's weird because fucking six years man it is weird and it doesn't get easy. You think, "Oh, I'm going to get dead skinny, become a millionaire, and be a mad shagger, get a big house up in the West End." Mm-hmm. None of
1: that happens. Like, the, well, this is what. <laughs> well, that, I mate, I've never really thought about that. Like, to, in that sense of, um, like, people talk about all these pure amazing things that happen when they get sober and mm-hmm. blah blah blah, and it's like, mm, maybe that doesn't happen for everybody. Like. Sometimes sobriety's disappointing for people. That's mm-hmm. why they relapse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, have you ever relapsed? I've never
2: relapsed, which I, to this day I still find strange mm-hmm. because I don't think I'm that strong a person. See, when I want something, see when I get a hunger for food or doing something bad, I just do it. Like, there's no self-control with me. But it's weird with sobriety. Mm-hmm.
1: I, or... think, I, don't, I, pff, I think you've got a self-defeating belief there, mate, because... If you have managed to stay off alcohol and drugs for six years, something that you've struggled with before that, then you've got plenty of self control. Yeah. So I think you've got a bit of sort of self defeating thing there, where you're like, I don't have any self control, I can't trust myself, but you definitely do. You just need to apply the same principles that you've applied to that. Yeah. To other things. But I think you you said something really you've replaced your addiction with food, so that's why you're struggling with that. You know? Um, I always think, well, addiction's always a symptom of something else Something mm. deeper there And um, if you can deal with that You can deal with the, the addiction Yeah Probably quite easily Like if, you know, it's going to be hard Like if, if, after the physical withdrawals go As long as you know why you're doing it And I think you must know why you're half the alcohol And it must be really strong Yeah Then it'll make it a lot easier for you, you know Um,
2: Well, they say, you know, you're either born feeling that you're the black sheep of your family or you've got a hole in your soul and you try to fill it with things. mm -hmm. And that's what's made me realise that there's a problem because I've always felt odd or different from my pals Mm -hmm. or from my family. And I've, I've always had this feeling of having a hole in my soul before I even found that out. And I, I love the term like Jekyll and Hyde because I can be the nicest person in the world, but as soon as I put alcohol into my body, I want to commit suicide. So, how can you go for this quiet, wee guy that loves his more that then Pff, fucking hell, man?
1: Choking up, mate. Pff,
2: I'm choking up, bear, man. Wow.
1: Well, I'll let it out, mate, fuck's sake.
2: This is a Christmas special. <laughs>
1: Episode 10, mate. Suck
2: my knob next.
1: Definitely not choking
2: up. (laughs) Sorry, mate. No, that's all right. (laughs) No, but that... How can you do that and then Kofi completely just fucked, like... Mm-hmm. I lost my place there. It's the fact that you're staring at me and all we're big sexy. Sorry, friend, mate. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting pure stroke Merry my... Christmas. Into, thera-
1: into therapist mode, mate. I you <laughs> mate, if that's if if you know, I think that Um like I don't even know what how to unpack a, a bit of that on a fucking microphone. Like just get the microphone for but like if that is who you are, like a sensitive um person. And then when you take drugs or alcohol, you change. Uh Don't take the drugs and alcohol. It changes you as a person. And if that is because you're like, I've got a black hole, like that's where I would say to people, fill that hole with (laughs) something. Fill that black (laughs) hole. (laughs) Fill that black hole with something that's more productive. Yeah. You know, like whatever it is, your comedy, your career, fill it with something. Do something where, like, yeah. put put that energy into something that isn't fucking yourself up and hurting yeah. yourself, mate, you know?
2: And I think that's why you need to be kind to yourself during these times, because the last time, the last two years we've been living through a pandemic, so if you do feel a wee bit stressed or maybe you lose your gratitude towards sobriety, which I've probably done and other people have done, but they've remained sober, you just need to look at the fucking bigger picture. We're living in a sci-fi movie, If you're stressed, if you've put a wee bit of weight on, if you've lost weight as well, because that can be a problem to people and people Uh get judged on that, man. For sure, mate. I know a couple of my mates that really, really hurts their feelings Mm -hmm. when people talk about how skinny they are. Aye. So that can work both ways and that can be stress or under-eating or whatever it is. I think you just need to be uh, kind to yourself. For sure, mate.
1: Self-improvement without self-acceptance and self-compassion is absolutely fucking futile Yeah, because you're not improving anything. Well, the reality is you are improving things, Like, but within your perspective, if you can't accept who you are for yeah. who you are and you can't be compassionate towards yourself through recovery, it probably won't be what you want it to be. Yeah. Um. And... I mate, that's a principle that I just live my life by. Just accept who you are. Yeah. Like you're saying there, how do I go for being this? Just accept the wee guy. Yeah. Accept the wee guy that loves his more. Just accept the guy that has a bevy and starts to be a bit of a prick or starts to be a bit, starts to act out. Just accept it, that that's who you are. Um, And even that you can't drink. Just accept that. Like, just accept. Don't fight it. Don't make it a battle. Just turn it into this is. Unfortunately, like, do you think that somebody who has anaphylactic shock because they eat peanuts is sitting greeting about the fact that they can't... No, they're afraid of peanuts. they so like, keep them the fuck away from me. Exactly. And yeah. I think that that is the type of mindset that you can be, you know... Yeah. Like, are going to go mental with somebody eating a packet of peanuts in front? No. Yeah. If you're on a plane, or, you know, if it's going to put you in that danger, like uh-huh. your mate, oh, here, here's a... Pi- fuck you. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, you're a fucking... You need a fucking therapist. Fuck me, yeah, man. And That's that, disgusting, mate. I can't believe that.
2: Yeah, it really hurt me, and it's made me. Uh, it's never made the friendship the same, but recently I found that um, he was a year sober.
0: Well, but good for
1: him then. Good for him.
2: All the best to him. I know that a lot of people project at their their own troubles and problems, and but it's still disgusting because even even see if I was sitting at a party with you back in the day, right? and I had a gram of coke on us and I said, Paul, do you want a line? See if you, I would like you to take that line because the two of you could have a laugh together and it talk shite, but see if you never took that line of coke, in my fucking head I'd say yes, mere coke for me.
1: Aye, but what about if I was like, no, I'm totally against that? You would be like, I, I think it's it, it's no, that maybe somebody's like, oh, I don't, I don't i've never tried it or had it or whatever i think it's like if somebody was to say if you were fucked up right if you're fucked up this is only the way that this works um if you've got a problem with coke and then you sit with somebody that's like i've kicked it then you go into this sort of self-loathing who do they think they are yeah and that and then when you're close to that person like a mate then that's when you you start to taunt them and you start to be like, fucking, yeah. you know what I mean? Like um, like the vegan stuff? Mate, I always, re- I, exactly. I always remember I a mate that gave up weed and this, he wasn't even a weed smoker, he was a hash smoker back in the day. Oh. Big hash, hash dealer, actually. And he used to sit at parties with a bottle of buckfast and a fag. And me and my mate would spark a joint and he'd be like, these are fucking junkies, man. Disgusting. Fucking drugs are for mugs. And you're like, what? <laughs> well, what kind of self-loathing are you involved in mate like you've got a bottle of fucking high caffeine alcohol fucking fu- f- fuck knows rocket fuel in your horn Aye. and you're smoking 20 club and I'm a fucking junkie yeah I'm sorry mate no thank you like but that's Aye. it's it's all about self-loathing mate see when people do that bait people taunt people bully people yeah it's their own self-loathing <laughs> that causes them to do that and see your mate See if he's sober. Connect with him, man. Yeah. Say to him like, see, when you did that at that wedding, mate, that fucking broke my heart. By the way, bet you any money, he'll be like, I'm so sorry, and he might even be able to get your fucking relationship back on track. Back
2: to normal. Yeah, I I look back now, and I think everything happens for a reason, and the six years has been uh, eventful because I haven't been completely sober, I suppose, because I've went to Peru. And I took ayahuasca. And I remember coming back from Peru and everybody was like, Well, it's mind altering drugs. And I thought, But I, there's nothing enjoyable I, about
1: ayahuasca. And it's a it's a it's a plant. uh uh-huh. So would you like gone and eating nettles shifts your consciousness in a slight way would that yeah. mean that you're no sober? Mm-hmm. Nah, mate. I mean you smoke cigars, mate. Yeah. So does that mean that you know because you don't have a problem with them? Mm-hmm. You don't have a ayahuasca problem. That's where I get um, you know, and as a professional, that is bullshit. See if somebody's like, oh, you smoke cigars. That's breaking your sobriety. No, yeah. it's no because you had a problem with Equis Coke and alcohol, and you're after that, so you're still sober. So I get that shit in the yeah. bin. Even if you were at a house party and. Took a couple of draws of a joint just to be like, I wonder what this is like now. Yeah. At this age, would that mean that your sobriety is at the window? Yeah. No, mate. No, no, no. Like, pff, aye, that's that is a ridiculous sentiment to me. Like ayahuasca yeah. is a fucking life saving, you know, substance that people yeah. take to recover from alcohol. This is the one where we're starting to get new studies and data where they're saying like, aye, actually, like weed is amazing to get people off a of heroin magic mushrooms is amazing to get people off of heroin like ayahuasca is amazing for these hard drug addictions mm-hmm. these are softer drugs do you know and, yeah. and I don't even think anything that grows in the ground could be fucking classified as a drug yeah, you know
2: I agree with that and it's not like <clears> see see when you take ecstacy you think right this is going to last say 5 hours you drink a pint you're going to be drunk for 4 hours ayahuasca in my personal opinion is not a drug it, It is probably the most terrifying thing I've ever took in my life. It wasn't enjoyable. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone that isn't serious about it. Mm -hmm. It's not a bucket list type of thing. When you take ayahuasca, your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm. On top of it being physically just breaks you mentally breaks you and it tastes like shit so my pals that are sober like well it was a mind altering substance you've escaped like reality but I haven't really because see when I drink alcohol even when you're fucked and depressed you still enjoy it like still Aye, Aye, sure it still tastes good you take a up. line of coke and you, you feel it might be a fake happiness it might be a fake dopamine hit uh-huh. but it's still there it's a high Uh uh-huh. when you take ayahuasca you are going into another fucking I mean, universe. You fucking
1: meet your reality, man. Uh, you're you're gone further into your reality. I, you I was
2: getting like visions for fucking God about my death mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I'm
1: back in Glasgow <laughs> thinking I'm Bobby. Some kids some kids <laughs> drinking a pint of tennis like well, you're no sober now. You've <laughs> you are in Peru drinking that ayahuasca You are not Aye. sober Here have some fucking Aye. fuck off But mate I've smoked plenty of DMT I know exactly what you're talking about as far as the visions and stuff It's not as intense as ayahuasca It doesn't yeah. last as long but I know what you're talking about And if somebody was to say to me Like DMT is a sobering experience oh. Like you come out of that going I know more mm-hmm. About life no waking up going I want to fucking kill myself because yeah. I'm hungover You know what I mean Well
2: I've took DMT And I would say DMT is better than ayahuasca. It's
1: kind of like it is. Ayahuasca is kind of like drinking, you know, a a gallon of beer, and DMT is like neck and a bottle of tequila (laughs) (laughs) straight out (laughs) of your fucking veins if you were to get like an alcohol (laughs) sort of, you know, relevance. But I mate, um, what else you got to say in your sobriety? So
2: I think I've covered everything, Um, you know. The, the I don't I don't mean to be self indulgent there that was me just sharing experiences of my first drink, my last drink, and everything in between. And um, if anybody's struggling, then say. Always what we've said since we've been doing this podcast, you know. I mean, this is what I did, right? I phoned the Samaritans because I was too self conscious okay? to. To just go to the doctor or I whatever. Mean, or... The very first time I ever went to an AA meeting is when I was twenty-four years old. After I don't know if it was a suicide attempt. I still don't know to this day if it was a suicide attempt, but basically, I was in. The, I went to the pub. My back was fucked through training, right? Absolutely fucked, like a trapped nerve. And I went to the pub. I get steaming, and I think I went home. That night, and I took too many paracetamol because of my back. And I, I'm... You know, I have had suicide attempts in my life, but that one, I genuinely, hand to my heart, don't think it was a suicide attempt. Well, that's it, mate. And it was it. Aye. And I think it was just a, a drunken mistake of mm-hmm. having a fucked back. And taking too many painkillers. I either <clears throat> took them, and then I forgot that I took them, and I took mere. But I woke up the next day <laughs> i woke up the next day in my dad's first right and the kitchen was flooded and uh, my i was lying under my bed fucked and my dad walked in and he's like oh, we all these fucking empty packets of parachute and all that and i was like oh it's my back <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to the sauna in the steam room i got up went to go to the sauna in the steam room and i collapsed on a pavement down the road and i thought fuck i've gave myself a fright Go up, went up to Stockholm and I basically said, look, I, I think I've took too much paracetamol. Then it, it just descended into madness of them saying, we've got reason to believe that you maybe tried to take your life. And I was like, no, nah, my back's fucked. <laughs> my back. <laughs> so uh, I don't even know why I started telling that story, but everything, anyway, it wasn't a genuine suicide attempt, but... This is... I you phoned I, I, the Samaritans? I I went to my first AA meeting when I was 24 and I remember walking in and everybody was there. Everybody that was there was about 90. And I thought, right, I'm not an alky because I'm about 50 years younger than every cunt in this room. A right. couple of years on for there, I was too self-conscious. I phoned the Samaritans and it was just something really beautiful about being able... They know what they're doing. They're absolute experts in what they're doing. It's like she answered the phone first and foremost I was ashamed because it was a woman I I don't know why so that made me kind of quiet and she just knew what to ask when to ask it and I ended up opening up to her and to this day it was still one of the most powerful, beautiful conversations I've ever had with someone it was really intense, crying on the phone and stuff Mm -hmm. but it made me it basically made me realise that I needed to ask for help and I went down to my GP for the first time and I remember going into my GP sitting there, cradling myself basically, couldn't make eye contact and she knew the questions what to ask again mm-hmm. and then that made me go, they sent me to therapy, an alcohol counsellor and then you know, it steadied the boat. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It It took, took it, a lot of courage, mate, to it, do that.
2: It went there. A lot of people slag the NHS and stuff, but there's help there if you want it. And it's like I say, man, if there's tools there, especially free tools, I mean, the Samar- Samaritans are free. Aye,
1: ah, it's a charity, mate. I, I, I always would always echo that, mate. See if you're no... I phone the Samaritans. Phone something, like, day something. Uh, just don't do nothing, like, just do something, contact, there's so many, like, good charities out there, do you know what I mean, so many, like, good meetings and stuff that you can go and resources Mm -hmm. that you can lean on, but Uh I think that the big barrier is getting over that shame that you spoke about, and, but if you dare, mate, it's just, the benefits are unmeasurable, really, Yeah. you know, if you can face that, maybe I'm an addict, can I get some treatment, you know. Um,
2: what's the other option Are you're just gonna fucking die and all your family and all your mates are gonna miss you because there's no shame in saying that you're fucked everybody's fucked now and again and uh,
1: especially like right now like no? you're saying the world that we live in right now we're talking earlier about reasonable mentally well people that are starting to question their reality because of the yeah. world that we live in right now so everybody is a wee bit fucked mate uh-huh because you
2: can still be sober and they'll go to AA. It's whatever works for you.
1: That's it, mate. I,
2: I went to AA. I remember people, you phone the AA helpline and they'll send somebody to pick you up at your house. Did you know that? No, mate. They'll drive to your... See if you phone an AA helpline in Glasgow right now. Someone would drive to your house tonight, pick you up and take and you take to you a, meeting. a meeting. And see after that. See if it's for you. It'll change your fucking life. Right, mate. You meet sober pals. You start to live sober. And it is what it is. I remember all my family are kind of struggling with booze and I've got one, un- one uncle that's 30 years sober and I always remember everybody saying, "Which wrong with that cunt? Something's all right with him. And Aye, he doesn't like a drink. Can I he trust like him? A shining light in the Aye, family. Mate, fuck's sake. So that's the Samaritans. You can get breathing space. What else have we got? Have you- can you think any?
1: Fuck mate, there's Brothers in Arms or a suicide prevention charity. They guys have got the thrive app that you can get access to and it's free of charge and it's get professional you know addiction stuff and that on there they'll help They're suicide prevention but they'll help with any sort of struggles mm-hmm. um fuck mate they'll be you know gambling anonymous gambling charities just go and find it mate yep. like google like see anybody it's like i didn't know where to look see in this day and age it's like come on to fuck Literally all of the information is at your fingertips, you know what I mean? And if you don't have, I don't know, man, if you can't afford Wi-Fi or anything like that, just get a mate. I think even just contacting a friend, telling them that you're feeling fucked up, tell them that you're not feeling great, that you need help. It'll be the best thing you've ever done for yourself, mate, you know what I mean?
2: Amazing, mate. Um, I'm the fucking Grinch, the cunt that smashed up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that? A woman paid 80 quid. For somebody to come to her house dressed as a Grinch and... The the guy in Orwain trashed the fucking house. Oh, hot, you man. deserve
2: it. Aye. If, 80 quid, I know.
1: I know. Yeah, uh, I'm going to dress up as a Grinch and jump about fucking punching <laughs> for 80 quid. We'll we wrap so,
2: up. You want to wrap up, aye? That's in your half. Aye, mate. See, because this is the last podcast before we both take a holiday, I think we shouldn't do much editing with that. I think we should give the punters a treat. And let them have an hour and a half, unless there's something that we said in there that you're like, let's cut it out, mate.
1: I don't give a fuck. Like, yes, cut it out, mate. Let's go. That's my baby. That's my baby boy. Let's do it. Right, right.
2: So, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening to the podcast. Unfortunately, the Avalon Pub is shut down now, so we don't have a sponsor. If there's anybody out there that would like to sponsor us, then get in touch and if you would like to support the podcast, you can buy a coffee, and everything goes towards uh, the podcast, so I just want to uh, wish you a very, very Merry Christmas, I uh, also want to thank Paul for helping me, it's a nice new friendship that I have in my life, and I just hope you are all well and safe, and we'll see you after the bells, and my name's Darren, and I'm grateful to be here in sober.